0: We're rolling. Just so make sure it's at 120 BPM, because that's right.
1: Yeah. 120? Yeah. Can that's we work the, up to that? Can we start at 88 and work our way, way up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a little fast. That was about 128, guys. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Life, Music, and the Pursuit of Answers. I'm Phil Circle, and these are my good friends, teammates, fellow singer-songwriters... Shenandoah Thompson and Darren Jellison. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Good Good evening. We haven't decided what to talk about. That's so right. that's Man. the beauty of, of what, we're, what I'm doing here. Um, I'll just give each of you the standard beginning question. And uh, I didn't flip a coin off the air. So I'll just start with the young guy here from Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, Shenandoah Thompson, what fascinates you?
2: Everything fascinates me, there's there's nothing not to be fascinated about, it's about, about music or about life in general, you want a more specific? Yes. Alright, <laughs> um, uh, let's see, I'm fascinated by art, I'm fascinated by poetry, philosophy, I'm fascinated by romance, by belief, by faith, by curiosity, by struggle, by overcoming obstacles and, and
1: learning, so. I like the overcoming obstacles part, <laughs> the, the, the surest form of growth. Absolutely. Overcoming obstacles. All right, then, Darren, I pose you the same question. What fascinates you?
0: I'm not so on the spot because I had a second to think Well, I, I was thinking about, about that while he was talking. I was like, Darren loves this. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect. Yeah. And I've still even given myself a little more time to talk just and by... Just by yeah, saying stalling. that. Right. Repeating the question. Repeating that's the quest. yeah. Could
1: you repeat the question so I can think <laughs> of the answer?
0: No, uh, my, my fascination is in the creative process. Uh, I, I Being an architect as well, I uh, undergo... You know, undertake the creative process in many ways, and in, in the design of buildings and the design of music is is similar, but in in no way the same. So
1: that, that's interesting. Similar and in no way the same. Yeah. Yeah. So how how is it similar?
0: It's similar in that um, I always look at. You know, with songwriting, you think of, you think of what your inspiration might be. Is it a, a beat or a lyric or a melody or something? Something becomes the seed of the creative drive, and and it's it's very similar with buildings. It's um, it can be a site, it can be a particular experience, it can be the program, uh, it can be the the client's uh, you know dream. So. Um, you start with a little kernel of something, and it turns into something much bigger than than that. Than that.
1: So songs tell stories. Does a structure tell a human story in some way? The Absolutely. way our the way our culture is made up of stories, as they say.
0: Absolutely, it does. Um, you look across across cultures, Islamic architecture, and. Uh, northern European architecture and Russian architecture and Indian and Chinese and and uh, you know even the traditional American things which is tends to be a, a melange of all of those things <laughs> um, you know the culture um, the culture drives what what those things want to be and in every one of them there are disruptors and people who are trying to uh, to react you, you know, react against those things and, and try to do something different
1: so you mentioned disruptors. And by the way, well done using the word melange in the <laughs> sentence. That's our new word of the day, It's melange. See if you can fit it in later, Shenandoah. Yesterday's word was... After, what was, was yesterday's ha- word? Ha- Heinous. Heinous. That's right. We yeah. used it several times on the radio. Um, so you mentioned disruptors. Yeah. And uh, we're not talking about the, the, the weapons in uh, sci-fi. We're talking. We're not. We're talking about things that disrupt... Uh, What? That was me just trying to tee you up. I I see you as a disruptor, Phil. You see me as a disruptor. I do. Okay, that's interesting. How's that? Uh,
0: I think you recognize all the problems with the music industry and you're out here trying to figure out how to resolve them.
1: And so that makes me a disruptor. So a disruptor can be a positive thing. Absolutely. I trust. (laughs) Amen Absolutely Why not right. So I wouldn't be
0: sitting right next to you Insulting you (laughs) Well no I figured that You know (laughs) Come on uh, your podcast and Yeah Yeah
1: yeah. You loser Yeah You disruptor You
2: (laughs) I think of a disruptor As somebody who's not comfortable With the status quo and you know, we wouldn't have art if there weren't disruptors. We wouldn't have had Modigliani. We wouldn't have had, you know, uh, Matisse. We wouldn't have had Rothko. We wouldn't have had any of the greats that came out of jazz, that came out of rock and roll and, and all of these sounds that we're so familiar with today, if it weren't for disruption.
1: But we're talking about creative disruption, and then you spoke to what I'm doing with uh, Pet Association Records uh, and uh, in, in the, the world of business. Uh, isn't there a difference uh, between business and the creative world?
2: I, I think they kind of intertwine. There's there's a lot of symbiosis with them. Um,
1: there's, is it symbiosis or an, uh, necessary uh, evils? Is there a difference? Um, well, yeah, in symbiosis we both benefit equally, right? Or we both benefit to some degree. You know? Sure, 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 sure. Uh, ah
0: that's the key right there, isn't it? It is okay. Benefit. Yeah, expand. Yeah. Well, creators are, uh, I, I suppose, traditionally used to starving. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> right, and well uh, delivered too. So I have to say, traditionally used to starving. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so um, whether that's that they're not good business people or that the business is stacked against them, um, either way, the end result is the
1: same. You see, so many people doing really crappy things with money. You begin to believe that money is a crappy thing. Yes. And yet, it's it's a tool. I, I love the idea of us never having money. Twenty fifth century Star Trek kind of stuff.
0: Oh. You know, just credits. Here's not a, even credits. You just we're
1: all provided just. for, and we we need. But you this, this is not the world that we're in right now. <laughs> and so, in, in dealing with living in the world that we are in, unless I want to go learn which mushrooms are poisonous and not, and, you know, learn how to, you know, whittle sticks with a, a, a stone and live off the grid, which wouldn't probably have me more than 30 miles from a Starbucks. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to live within the the structure of things as they are. And whatever it is, I, however it is I feel about about it, I have to live within it in order to, what, begin to change it. So, if I want to see change happen within the industry that I'm in, I have to immediately implement aspects of that industry, the, the way people are accustomed to it, is seeing it function. And so, we have independent musicians, we have in, independent uh, musical artists, however you want to put it, um, finding a way to build a business around what they're doing. And now that that has become more of a norm, then how do we, as a collective, begin to implement change? that is not disrupting the record industry directly but gradually replacing it as a different option. I like that you know now and then when it comes same thing with money, so what I do with money is begin to uh, use it in positive ways you know so uh, let's see I've got like uh, you know hundred forty dollars I could, Uh, you know, buy a hundred CDs to to move um, my music out there uh, to people at shows and that sort of thing to share the love of music. uh, Or I could buy an eight ball. (laughs) You know, so it's like so it's if 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 I buy the eight ball, is money the evil? No, no, my addiction is the evil. (laughs) So people who are addicted to money. Are and are in what they're in a world of craving. Mm-hmm. They're in they're, they 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 lack, right? Hunger, totally mm-hmm. hunger. Mm-hmm. So when I'm not living in the world of, in a world of hunger, and and and, and having a, a a mindset of lacking things or a mindset of craving always more, uh, or or even when I don't have a lot, focusing on the fact that I don't have a lot instead of how to get something more, then. I begin to change my approach to it all. And so the more we're involved in music as a positive uh, enterprise for the benefit of the, the people around us and, and ourselves, we, we all talked about um, over this weekend. By the way, folks, we've, the three of us are completing a weekend of uh, appearances and live shows here in Chicago. It's the first time that Darren and Shenandoah uh, have visited here. Uh, the, this project with Go By Association Records is in its infancy, you know. So, with uh, a lot of the stuff we has come up before. So uh, we talked about music being a thing that uh, if you're not giving it, you're missing half the point of, of creating it. You know, uh, not that we working at home on your music alone and enjoying that that sort of thing uh, is is some bad thing. But whenever i've had anybody over the years who came to me and said i feel like i'm on a plateau my first question has been when's the last time you played with anybody mm-hmm. or played for anybody mm-hmm. or do you want to record something and share it online however you want to do it that's always that's always what it comes down to is they haven't done follow through on the share so when we're approaching music in this this giving way that it, this it, is full of gratitude for the gift that we have and the ability to give it um and and then we are looking. We're taking that one hundred and forty dollars and investing it in getting, in spreading the love, so to speak, <laughs> right? Um, and we're profiting from it. We're not evil. We're not doing something bad. Money has not become some heinous thing. How oh, I used yesterday's word. It's not self destructive. I can't call it a malinger. No, I'll get there. Yeah. So, so I, uh, I'm, 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 use, I'm I'm taking that profit, and then I'm doing what. I'm supporting myself, giving myself more tools to create and moving it forward. So now I'm also changing the nature of a free market economy because I'm using it in good ways. Absolutely. Because there, there are plenty of stories of people, of course, that we that we could, I'm sure, come up with. And there are ones in just general, like, culture. Everybody has their examples of the, the greedy fat heads approach to, to money. It's And it's that you don't hear a whole lot of stories about... The generous donor, or that kind of thing, because mm-hmm. in some cases the generous donor doesn't want to be known.
2: No, they're anonymous. Right. I think it was twenty years ago. There was always uh, in you know in Morgantown, West Virginia, where I'm from, and whatnot. They do uh, Salvation Army always does the Santas, the ring the Santa bit, mm. and it's it's you know collecting donations. It's a really good program. It helps a lot for the you know the indigent and the people who are suffering, but there was always this anonymous guy never took credit for it. He went around and he put like a thousand dollars or put a check for, you know, half a million in these little coffers and these little, you know, change collection tins that these people are standing out there just ringing a bell. And he didn't want the fanfare. He didn't want the notoriety. He was doing it for, you know, paying it forward for giving that gift that he had excess of and saying, I I can't use this all and I'm not going to take it with me. So here you go.
1: There's there's a definite school of thought that's been around for a long time in understanding how to live in a mentality of uh, wealth that is not what money based but can include money. You know, uh, thinker think and grow rich by Napoleon Hill. Most people read it for the money, but it's really about manifesting things in your life. When I read it when I was twenty, I read it with the mindset of I want to have a wealth a rich life. You know, I want to 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 you know, to me, there's 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 treasures uh, of the, the, the in the Buddhist world. What is it? Treasures of the storehouse, treasures of the heart, treasures of the spirit. You know, so I want I like I want some treasures of the storehouse. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. You know, but I want to, I want to use it to expand my treasures of the heart, which mean means that I want to be able to do uh, meaningful things with with whatever uh, wealth I accumulate, and then I want to uh, also. Uh, well, when you do that, what? Your spirit is improved. You just feel better about the work that you're doing. Music is what Joseph Campbell said. And I know I've said this before on these podcasts, but too bad it's <laughs> the closest humans come to their gods. Yep. This is in music and creating it, especially. It's not saying, folks, that we're gods, it's saying that it's a spiritual experience. Absolutely. So, <laughs> and I feel like there's just so many levels at which through music we can change. Uh, we, we do through music change culture and society and we do uh, through music enhance the experience and improve the experience of people in culture and society what, in, including dealing with the negative aspects of it you know and so the more that we get it out there the more that we begin to change it so what we're disrupting is not so much disrupting like I said I think it's more of a replacing rebuilding and rebuilding because we're not the record. What's going to happen is, I think the record industry, the the mainstream record industry, is not going to know what happened. That's right. They're just going to continue to to lose money. They've they've only yeah. just started seeing uh, increase in profits over the last few years. That's going to dissipate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's a result of a change in consumption. But the the they were for for literally a couple decades they were seeing a continuing decrease in in uh, sales just hemorrhaging money and on units and albums yeah, and yeah. tours yeah. and they were just yeah and they were just uh and they were blaming it on on, on the pe- very people that they're supposed to be serving mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. all those horrible people that are you know the downloads and the cd burning and stuff was the first big complaint they made napster, yeah. yeah napster and all that kind of stuff it was that people wanted a choice now when they figured out either directly or just because they they you know fumbled into it like the Boondock Saints or something you know um, they um, they uh, began to uh, give that choice yeah you know yeah. I had a friend who had a major thing going a major deal going on in, in, in the music industry and <clears throat> had their own distribution and all this kind of stuff he was complaining when, when about, about downloads early on His iTunes honestly oh, so it's killing yeah. us I was like why don't you just start making ringtones with with your artist's mm-hmm. material and yeah. why don't you just why don't you just adapt. You did it all turned around, yeah. you know. It was like well, that's all you got to do is adapt. Adapt, mm-hmm. that's you, right. know? you adapt change the model. But we didn't. We're not reinventing. Uh, we're not asking people. We're not asking the record industry to change. We're just letting them. It's jujitsu, man. Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. You know? Let them use their own Dai-G. negative forces against them. That's right. And and we'll just gradually move move in, you know. So like pushing bad crime out of a neighborhood by bringing in families <laughs>
0: <laughs> putting innocent families in the, in the middle of it all but uh, yeah so do you think they'll change their model? Do,
1: some, of, some of them may some of them uh, I, I think like Shannon Doe just said they'll have to yeah they'll. Yeah, because it, it was a GE it's like we're 90 years old and they, they lost 9 billion dollars and, yeah. and it was I was like laughing when I heard this because the, their response was like, we don't really they didn't even really know why or how. No. Nope. Like, how do you not know or how or why you lost nine billion dollars? I can't even conceive of that that kind of money. I know exactly where I lost the twenty dollars I lost two weeks ago. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. I can I can remember the last time I misspent thirty dollars. You know, <laughs> but uh, it, it's it, you know, and it's this this lack of adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, Sears, a Chicago institution. Uh, was bankrupt and being dissolved and then their former CEO pulled together enough money to like buy them uh, what was left of it and that kind of stuff but it came entirely from their lack of adapting there's the constant well you know and and to the level of it's like well i know they have these new things called, called automobiles but people are still just going to love with their horse and buggy <laughs> yeah because i know i like cleaning up horse yeah. Manure and, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, no. Uh, imagine New York City or Chicago. Now that we've ridden
2: in the traffic for a few days, imagine Chicago with no cars, just nine million
1: horses. Uh, the piles of, yeah. You yeah. can smell it from New York City, <laughs> probably. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's, you know, And and so there's there's that aspect of it. And I, and uh, this is something that's come up a lot lately, too, with with what I've been talking in these kind of forums. Um, the, the the record industry has survived the mainstream record industry is surviving by um, continuing to open new stores to give the Burger King McDonald's model mm-hmm. and thereby owning more real estate. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like they're, they're making profits but they're really uh, their overall sales are, are, are going down. and their lack of adaptability, uh, it means that they're just sucking all the money that comes in from the, the hit artists and hits now are much smaller than they used to be too mm-hmm. by the way. Hamilton's big hit, right? Yeah. Well, uh, their Grammy award-winning, award-winning soundtrack album only sold a couple hundred thousand copies. Yep. And the number of people that have actually been to see Hamilton uh, it's less than one percent of the population. So if you're okay with rounding things, that's nobody went to see Hamilton, <laughs> you know. So two people went would, to see him. It wouldn't count on a census, you know, right. less than one percent. There'd be there's no, there's none of them are here, but because of social media, it is, the story of Hamilton has spread. The impact so, that the, it has. And the impact yeah. we hear about that. So it's yeah. it's a story that we hear more than anybody ever ever actually haven't seen it. A friend of mine went to recently. He came. Uh, and the next time I saw him, like I didn't know it was a rap musical. You know, he just heard it was great and wanted to go see it. You know, and stuff. pleasantly shocked. You know, to know. See the- yeah, he, he seemed kind of indifferent to it. it yeah, but he was <laughs> like you know, he just went his you know his wife wanted to go and his daughters wanted to go, so they went. And so, you know, and and so hits aren't aren't so much the same as they used to be, because it doesn't take, you know. Millions and millions of people to actually hear something come by their ears yeah. on A rape, airwave radio or through an album somebody plays next to them for it to be considered a hit All they need to do is hear the story of boy have you heard about this guy chance the rapper in Chicago Have you ever heard his music Shenandoah? Oh, yes, I have I love yeah, it. Have you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay I, I've only heard like something that he was part of with uh, uh, another artist Okay. Uh, and I thought it was brilliant, of course he's a hero in Chicago of course and the guys made him he's well one of the independent artists going to get a Grammy and he, nobody did it but him. and uh, mm-hmm. and he has he gave a million dollars to the Chicago schools yep. and he does, so he does stuff like. So thats that's an example of somebody who's not living in lack and where money didn't make him a greedy fathead because he wasn't that person to begin with Yes. no you see and that's what it it is it didn't amplify anything it didn't that, amplify uh, anything wrong yeah. it's, it's not like the 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 the, the, the comic thing uh, uh, by a guy who turned out to, the, Bill Cosby what a tragedy that I was <laughs> yes. so sad to hear that that he turned out to be the, that guy um, although a lot of people said I don't know I kind of saw it like was, oh. they thought they could see it but I think people are a lot of a lot of you Monday morning are, quarterback. Yeah, exactly. those are the same that, people that, was, that, was that said the they. Was looking for, yeah. those
2: are the same people that said they knew the ending to the sixth sense too yeah, yeah. yeah. oh I called that yeah. <laughs> yeah I called that
1: but but he had he had a funny bit in one of his, his uh, uh, stand up routines and it, it was like you know, he was talking about what's the big deal with cocaine and uh, it intensifies, yeah, it intensifies your, personality. your personality so what if you're an a-hole <laughs> you know right. so um, you know so that's we could look at money that way it's like, so money enhances, you know, money enhances your power, power and money enhance your, uh, who you are. If who you are is a genuinely generous person, uh, and, and you, you know, you happen to like to eat a lot, you might gain some weight cause you can eat better now, yeah. you know? Um, but you're not going to become a horrible person.
2: Well, going back to what you said about the $140 and where you want to invest that. Let's say you invest that in your self-destructive coping mechanisms, as it were. That's only hurting you and others who see it, and your family, and it tears it down, and it, and it you know, has an effect on the system, it has effect on socio-politically, with crime and all of that. If you put that into the music, you put out an album, maybe some kid who's sitting in, an, in a room alone, who's about to go buy an 8-ball, hears that album, and it changes their life. And next thing you know, they're thinking about how do I you know, pay it forward, how do I make a difference for someone in my life and it's it's a beautiful sort of uh evolution of generosity an evolution of care that knows no bounds
1: and you have uh um when we were on artist first radio remember z-man talking about um how you, we never, people never let us know what they think of our music, you know? And, and in my comment, it was like, but yeah, but when one does tell you what they, how they feel about your music, you, you can assume there's like, a oh, hundred, well, maybe if you're really lucky, a thousand or unlucky, I don't know, because maybe there should have been a hundred more that told you something, I don't know. <laughs> right. But you, there's, there's a multiple, multi- yeah, there's yeah. definitely a multiplier. It's like, Let's it's like the positive, uh, 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 take on the cockroach effect. If you see one, there's a thousand, you know. Um, so we'll need to find a, 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 a better a, analogy, a better analogy than that. There's no question, yes. But uh, and you know that that reminds me of a of, of an, a, a story along the lines of what you just gave an example of, uh, and it's in my book, which I mention in every episode of you my know, podcast. Yes. It's a, the Outback Musician Survival Guide, Outback mm-hmm. and it's push, okay. push, 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 <laughs> um, <laughs> I've read it, I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad you it. did. It was good. Yeah. You signed my copy, which, which
0: I, I thought did. was great. I It might have brought down the value, I don't know. Let's <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll see, We'll Enjoy see stuff. where things go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> see, <laughs> if I die in a car crash tomorrow, you will sell for more.
0: Well that might yeah, that might help. Yeah.
1: Oh, that might help. That's good. <laughs> this is going south. Oh no! They're plotting my destruction. Yeah. I had a. Um, there was a guy I, I used to hang. I hung out. Used to hang out with here in Chicago. He had uh, one of the early online radio uh, shows that was also uh, airwave at like a small level, like like you know, AM radio does, or like way way far left on the FM dial uh, does, and. Um, he uh, he's also like a blues musician, more of a hobbyist, I guess. So he uh, called me up one day and he was like, You, uh, he's like, Philip, man, uh, I want to thank you for saving my life. What are you talking about? You know? He had a song called, uh, I have a song, I don't play it much, but it's recorded and stuff. The Life of Any Man. It's a very dark, um, uh, this descriptive, you know, uh, uh, song about just being total despair, you know, the the, the total darkness of despair, and then uh, the lyric comes, then it comes to the lyric of you, you know you see it flash before your eyes, the life of any man, because. Because 'Cause you're any you mean, man meaning any you're, man. Not, alone. you're exactly. not alone. You're not alone in yeah. this, Yeah. Yeah, totally. So he said he was standing out on the Ashland Avenue Bridge over the north yeah. branch of the Chicago River and wanted to jump in. He's just been having he'd been having a really hard time with depression and that sort of thing. And he uh, that song popped into his set and he realized I'm not alone. And I was like, Well, when I'm done crying, I'll kinda of, oh, you yeah. know? Like <laughs> it's yeah. what you know, and, that, and so and and you don't know how many times that may have happened. Right. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't solicit opinions from people right. of, of my music. I let them tell me or not. Yeah. I don't. I don't ask unless it's going to a, a reviewer or crit, a critic, and that's their job. Exactly. Yeah. Then they have so, to. Yeah. Um, speaking of just on an aside on that. Uh, I, I've I've done you know plenty of music writing in my life and I haven't reviewed anybody's music in a long time but whenever I did I was always reminded of a thing that Corky Siegel said of the Siegel Schwab Blues Band and now he has Corky Siegel's Chamber Blues he's here in Chicago, not far from where we're sitting, assuming he's in town and at home yeah. right now <laughs> um, just a huge uh, had, he had a huge impact on me uh, uh, Corky did and I remember talking to him about just that question and he um, he said the critic's job is to educate the listener not to critique the music educate the listener so he, he gave me a story of like a friend of his and he were both uh, reviewed on a, 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 it was a show they did I believe and his friend kind of got panned and and, uh, and he, he didn't and he called the reviewer and criticized him about it and he's mm-hmm. like well, you, you saw, what are you talking about I gave you a great review So yes but the way you talked about this other guy, uh, that, that that's not your job. What do you mean? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a critic. No, your job is to educate the listener. Whether or not you like it has nothing to do with anything. Right. It's whether or not your listener is going to like it and when i and when I, so when i then ended up getting now my practice actually was if i didn't really if i thought the music was garbage i just didn't review it cuz i'm not out to destroy people yeah, i don't know where it, they are in their process yeah. enough people will tell them if it's garbage <laughs> you know that then maybe they'll go practice you yeah know? <laughs> um, but i'm not going to be the person that, that just destroys their, their 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 dream i wasn't any good when i started were you guys i don't think we, so we we, no. we don't know when you don't know what you're doing yet you're no good at it whether you have the wisdom to not release material before before it's you're ready and stuff, mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with the people around you and the and the, the uh, information you're given, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of stuff. Um, I recorded a lot of stuff that I never released because I listened to it and went no.
0: Oh yeah, probably uh, hours of stuff like
2: that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. It's funny, I actually went the opposite. I released yeah. a lot of stuff in my adolescence and then just gave CDs out in town and was doing yeah. demos and doing this and that and kind of following, you know, the 60s and 70s rock and roll mentality of, hey, do a demo and give it to people. Yeah. And I then started, you know, collecting all those CDs I'd recorded and then when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 about to record my first studio album, sat down and I was listening to them and going, oh wow what was I thinking what the hell was
1: I doing but but at least you were doing it locally yeah and people a lot of people that you know did you get any feedback some yeah and sometimes
2: flattering sometimes you know encouraging sometimes not so much Um, but it it was never something I really uh, you know I I always held that mantra of yeah the critic if they don't like it that doesn't mean anything about the song itself it just means one right for them and Five hundred other listeners yeah. that might not even know that critic might like it. So,
1: and and what what do you listen for when you listen to music in general, uh, or if you're hearing some music that's new to your ear, or somebody asks you to listen to, um, what are you listening for to decide whether you think? Oh, well, uh, let's take it one one step further. Somebody presents you with a piece of music and asks you if they should release this music to the world, what are you listening for?
0: Oh, um, well, for, for me, uh, I don't necessarily know if I'm listening for something, but I'm trying to see what I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, because some of the most amazing music in the world is recorded incredibly poorly, right, by today's standards of the Immaculate sound quality thing and you know we've moved this microphone around to just try to, <laughs> try to get it right and things like that but um so it, it's a feeling for me more than anything um there uh, there can be obvious technical things but if it tells a story that makes me feel something yeah, yeah, right on man
2: cool so, uh, i have pretty much have the exact same yeah. answer you know i've heard tracks that were rough cut you know done on a cassette tape recorded through you know the worst mics and just recorded into it like a little tape deck and i've wanted to play that until the tape ran out um and then i listened to you know some of the you know club music and some of the stuff that's really high engineered a lot of producers 80 producers on it um and it, it doesn't give you that same feeling. It doesn't strike that chord in your soul that says, I see where they're coming from. I understand this person. Or they understand me.
1: The, um, so then, based on that, they should release it to the world?
2: <laughs> based, I mean, based, it's based on the feeling, yeah. If uh, Or
1: should if, they make sure it has a production so that the people who are maybe more shallow than we are, or more particular, yeah. and maybe shallow is a mean word, yeah, and which is more particular... As to what they are hearing and that sort of thing.
0: I think today the li- the average listener is a lot more used to a heavily compressed sound yeah. than a very clean thing. And yeah, I think that's going to be against them if they go out there with it.
1: So from a standpoint of when you get to the next step, okay, this music is great, well done. I can feel it; it's emotional. Mm-hmm. Consider it a demo. Now consider yeah, consider it yes. a demo, and now work on on something bigger. Mm-hmm. Make it, make make a sound that that is not going to lose people from the production value, because it's well, not it's not a, it's not, a, it's not a, that that's one of those things. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a, 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 a it's just a, a situation. It's just a, it's the, just a matter a of hitting, fact hitting a standard, yes. right? Yeah. 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 So it's like whether or not you like that people won't listen to your music because it's not well produced it has nothing to do with anything. If you want to get it hurt, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so. Uh, you know, we we can't change the world to 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 fit our story. Uh, <laughs> That's you know? right. So so it, you 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 can go. You can benefit and get your get your get your story to more people by removing one easy obstacle. Yeah. You know, y- using and,
0: people's expectations. Uh, yep. And and grabbing them, or at least not losing them. Yeah. You, know, you talk about the the jujitsu move of. You know, the, using the industry's energy against itself—that yeah. kind of thing. The, you can use uh,
1: people's energy to your advantage in a non-manipulative right. way. Yeah, right. know, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned the, the cub music. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, 40808s and, and synth and a lot of keys.
1: So, th- th- is that listening music or is that music that's meant to, to build a primal vibration in your body when you're on a dance floor, basically experiencing the human need to mate? Yeah, that's you're not actually <laughs>
2: supposed to be able to hear each other. You're literally just. Oh, you having a drink? Okay, let's, where are we boning? <laughs> like, that's it. Right. And uh, <laughs> so, I feel like. You know, the other thing with the raw sounds of acoustic music, with the raw sounds of something that's not unproduced, but perhaps uh, less produced. Um, You know, that is the whole impetus of playing a live show, is it isn't always cookie-cutter clean. It isn't always exactly what you wanted it to be. And sometimes on Tuesday night, your song goes better than it did on Friday. And that's live. That's
1: the beauty of that. What, uh I should I should give a little background to the live performance thing for people who are listening who aren't musical performers or otherwise or, or stage performers so it's it's fairly standard thing uh, I don't think I have ever heard anybody saying it in contrary message me if you have experiences a contrary experience to this you have an amazing show and and maybe you're on the road okay so i've been on the road a lot and and i saw it all the time and i've never i've never experienced anything different you have an amazing show and you have a show the next night is never as good absolutely why Uh why why do we think that is is that just because we have the same expectation Uh of that that glorious feeling we had on that uh from that particular show and we miss the point that the next night the energy is going to be different we need to respond to it differently Or is simply that the level of energy we need to replenish by the following day is impossible to come by. Uh, What is it?
0: You need a bigger and bigger hit every time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know.
2: I mean, uh, so in musical theater, you know, um, that was something we always dealt with. We do a performance. You open opening night is always a ball. Everybody's you're you're high on the whatever happens. Exactly. It doesn't matter. It's opening night. but then, you know, the next night and, and the third night, and if you do two weekend runs, imagine, like, you've got that pickup rehearsal on Wednesday and then Friday night you're back on the boards and the audience is new. It's exactly what you said. The energy is different. You have to respond to it differently. And I, I really don't think that it's, you know, any artist or any performer's fault. It's, it takes a, a amazing amount of awareness to be Conscious of that as a variable, um, and it's something that I'm only just now becoming conscious of.
1: Yeah. As you said, that I think. I, that's about <laughs> when I became conscious of it. That's the joy of open dialogue. As no. I was saying it, that the, what you know, now I'm gonna give away all my mm-hmm. secrets to to, to to teaching is half of what comes out of my mouth when I'm teaching is totally by the seat of my pants, mm-hmm. uh, or I should say, really. Uh, from my heart, from my gut, you know, from my, from my, uh, of course, it's colored extensively with my experience as a working musician, sure. my knowledge of the craft of music, technically and theoretically, and ability to play the instruments and produce albums and all this stuff is in there. But there's a whole lot of, this is for, in fact, why you can't learn an instrument, folks, on YouTube. Nope. You can get elements of the instrument on YouTube, you or or, or any other platform, um, you uh, or Instagram or anything. You can get elements of. You can get supplementary information. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's an ongoing joke. My buddy Lem was on one of the previous episodes. Uh, he, he says he, he he said if only we had billions of dollars worth of technology at our disposal to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know. In other, other words, pull out my phone in other words yeah. yeah. Use the company that's a verb. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so we are not going to say it because they're not sponsoring me yet. No. Yet. Yeah. We're not yet. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Well, okay. if
2: you saw Arrested Development, they blur out half of their images, anyways.
1: <laughs> so. So what? Um, um, the experience of open dialogue is I so if I have an idea and I'm just mowing it over med- meditating it on, on it myself yeah. I have none of the objectivity that I need yeah right you know I, I and and so I get wrapped up in, in my inability to solve the problem when I add one person that doesn't just give me twice as much I, that gives me their subjectivity and the uh, of their own experience in life and the objectivity that they have toward mine and my objectivity toward them we have four times as much power mm-hmm. and we had a third person and by the way folks I'm pointing at people here. <laughs> I'm, I'm gesturing toward Darren Then I just pointed at Shenandoah for you folks watching at home staring at your computer screen what's he doing <laughs> um is I had a third person and so it grows exponentially the ability to solve problems um and that's even further enhanced when you have uh uh, diversity recent yeah. studies have shown now to me it's one of those painfully obvious things that I wondered why anybody had to study it <laughs> you know of course diversity makes you, you know, makes you more productive mm-hmm. because you have diverse ideas because you have diverse cultures because you have di- diverse people's perspectives, and yeah. perspectives. Mm-hmm. solutions to issues that you hadn't thought of yeah. but then so then that's why then this open dialogue that this whole podcast is really rooted in more than anything is uh, is so powerful in the solvent of problems. So I go by Association Records. When Gloria, who I'll be getting on here someday, mm-hmm. um, you good. know, when when she had, when it was one day I was talking to her and I was you know, I was like I don't know how to make this work. No. That's why there's more than one person involved <laughs> because we're gonna find a way. The famous story of Henry Ford wanting a single block V eight engine, the guy who didn't make it past third grade or something. You know, who kept telling his engineers, you know, the smartest minds in the land. You know, he wanted a single black V eight engine. They kept saying, "You can't be done. It can't be done." And I've heard this story used recently too in some some audio books I listened to. But it's a story that I had heard uh, from my dad, who met Henry Ford as a child. My dad was a child met Henry Ford, <laughs> and uh, uh, and and his cousin interviewed him later on and stuff. But it was that and and they kept saying you can't do it it can't be done he's like great you have 6 months <laughs> you know and they were whatever it was and they come and they come back and they couldn't do it and he's like you just you you've got you you got to make it happen do it and then finally they it, it, it turned out they made it happen it turned out there was a piece of physics they didn't understand it's like bumblebees aerodynamically can't fly they don't care until reasons anyway. until right they don't care exactly they didn't nobody told them <laughs> and except here's what's funny is that was the case until they realized aerodynamically why they can fly. Because One. the assumption that we know all the answers and it is an absurdity. Yeah, that's Absolute. the other part of it. You know, right? it's like, it's just, how can we, how we can't? Just, to me, it's if there's a different. problem, there is mathematically, it's just, to me, if, if I just look at the, the universe as, from, as a giant math problem, mm-hmm. if there is a problem, there is a solution. There has to be. Or, there, or I wouldn't perceive a problem. The human mind, the universe did not create this human mind that can sit yeah. there and perceive things that can't be solved. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You know, so they're just, they're, if there is a gap that I perceive, there is something that can fill that gap.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, so back to my fascination with the creative process. It, uh, uh, you know, so many things are going through my head right now. But if there is a problem, yes, maybe there's a solution. But maybe what you're thinking of as the problem isn't even the problem. What, what is the problem? back up even further uh, and, and the, the other thing is that you know this sort of back and back to the architecture music kind of crossover thing I make music by myself almost exclusively um, but that like butterfly effect of getting some kind of outside feedback um, from somebody at some point as soon as I'm ready for it yeah. <laughs> um, is is it is it's an it's an exponential kind of effect and it causes you to reevaluate even what you thought maybe the problems were at that time and you know but making buildings is not something that one can ever consider doing by by his or herself Uh, if you're a designer you you could design a building by yourself but you're probably not going to build it and you're probably not going to sell it and you're probably not you know you're probably not going to do all those things in a vacuum Uh, um, but and never mind seeing some of those buildings we talked about today, those buildings took um, thousands of people to, to pull together. All going in the same direction ideally, you know, yeah. <laughs> through that process.
1: Well, and there, there there had to be a problem of how not to let a building tip over that they solved because of the one, there will be a video everybody uh, sometime after this, uh, after this is uh, today we were also out on the Chicago River, uh, we jumped on a, on a water taxi. If you're ever in Chicago, jump on the water taxi. It was six bucks a person yeah. From Chinatown to down to Michigan Avenue, see everything and you need to see. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. amazing. It's beautiful. <laughs> we're out in the sunshine and everything. And Dave Matthews' uh, tour bus did not drive over the bridge when we were going under it. I remember you know, that, you know story. that story. Oh, yes. and they And they, oh, they yeah. yeah, they they purged the toilets. Yeah, and there was just some bus company that he leased. It's not Dave Matthews' fault to clarify that everyone. Right. Uh, <laughs> we and, love and, Dave. Yeah, and he was, right. and he. he he made sure that there was restitution made and that yeah. kind of stuff, and, and including dealing with the bus company being that stupid. Um, but uh, there was a building, uh, so we, and we and we filmed it with Ian Leith, who's also on a podcast. See how this all ties oh, together. Boy. It's one big circle. And, and, oh. <laughs> but that, that my name is never used in that way he says facetiously and so <laughs> but, you know, I don't know for some reason I don't get tired of it because what are you going to do with a name like Zirkel I can it's just and, an in, English and, word man yeah liking. it was and it was it was German originally Zirkel and, and uh-huh. but it was a place name it was a village built in a circle for protective purposes so it was you know it would have been Philip of the circle of type, circle uh, yeah. of circle yeah. the circle yeah. Yeah. Whatever. yeah yeah however right exactly yeah. however they say it in that language well, it's suppose, German it's like they have a different word for everything <laughs> 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 to paraphrase the, the what was it the Steve Martin Steve Martin yeah. oof his egg shipp shipp pose hat it was French. It's like they have a different word for everything. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, Ian Leith, who was also he was a videographer. If you listen to that podcast, uh, uh, Jerry Springer is in the title. He was uh, a videographer for the Jerry Springer Show. That's what brought him to Chicago, and uh, so he was up. He was grabbing uh, video of the whole thing today, and he's going to be piecing that together. So you'll see that out and around on uh, the guilt by association records site guilt by association records.com if you like to type that much um, or guilt by association.net if you have a better memory <laughs> and uh, so uh, and elsewhere including my youtube page and that sort of thing so there's this one building on, on that it looked like it should tip over because the bottom was was a third the size of the, the full width of the building, wasn't it?
0: I saw that building, and the first word that came out of my mouth was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and so, so if, you, if you picture, like, an upside-down pencil, like a pencil standing, exactly standing on its point, yeah. that's pretty much what it looked like. So somebody had to solve that problem, because I'm pretty sure the zoning wouldn't allow it, no matter how many poems you greased. <laughs> like, you're like, come on, here's, here's some cash. The building will fall over into the river and kill people. No, but it looks cool for a minute. No, just here, take more money. No, it wouldn't even work. (laughs) Besides that old Chicago politics, by the way, is starting to go by the wayside. It's not the people who are involved in any kind of dirty politics are starting to go down if they haven't already. Mm -hmm. It used to just be like an ongoing joke even for Chicagoans. Edward Verdoliak. Alderman for like 25 years or something. Everybody just called him fast steady. Everybody just knew. He, he was just, uh, he was a, a, he changed parties at one point. <laughs> just, yeah, he was like, it's not working for me over here. He did whatever he had just to do to move it forward. Yeah, just fast steady. Yeah. So we, we, sounds we've, familiar. That, that, that kind of stuff is, is going away. Uh, I'm sure there's still, there's always some co- kind of, there's always some corruption making its way into any kind of, you know, group of powerful people, yeah. unfortunately, but uh, I'm sure that this building was not put up through corruption.
0: Uh, no, and so it doesn't prob- look that new either. I mean, it's new, were, yeah. but it's been there for a while. I think. So I don't think it's going order. anywhere. Yeah, um, there's probably some magic happening in there that uh, we can't see, or
1: some kind of genius and uh, engineering. Yep. Well, what about so? What about the the tension? So if you have like an X. Yeah, and if the bottom of the X is underground.
0: Um, well, no, you still have a pivot. You still have a, you still have a lever there in the middle of the X that I don't like very much. <laughs> yeah. Triangles are what we look so for. So you were the structure. guy that wouldn't let them disrupt it. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> if I was around, that building wouldn't exist, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would have <laughs> shut that down. No, really. It would have been over, man. <laughs> Are, are, are buildings are reaching for the sky because men make them and they're phallic symbols
0: yes oh my gosh yeah there's a certain amount of ego there I think uh,
1: it's often been said
0: no, more not. and more women are making them however so
1: and maybe that argument them, is different making them reach for the sky for a different reason to me it seems like a smart use of space if you can make them taller yeah. you're using the, making less of a footprint yeah and one of the things that you kept pointing out today Darren on the tour, uh, because Darren was using his knowledge of architecture uh, to educate everybody uh, in our little our little party about uh, the buildings we're looking at, because we're in the middle of one of the greatest collections of modern architecture. Do you, do you believe that statement, Darren? I,
0: I do, having seen it today. Yeah, yeah. it's that was an experience unlike you know. I've been to New York, and I've been to L.A., and I've been to You're, Paris, yeah, I've and to you Paris, know, been to, been to Venice. live in, the Philly area I've been, to, yeah, been, been around the world a little bit not a lot but a little bit enough it's to know that's
1: pretty people, uh, pretty great yep I, I I took that quote from the book Third Coast mm-hmm. by Thomas Deja so there I'm giving him a little dropping sure. him a little plug there because I think it's a brilliant book and uh, uh, so even though he didn't message me back when I contacted him online because he didn't know who, how important I am that's right that's, that's you know because he doesn't get a thousand messages a day or anything exactly
0: yeah well but when he hears his name on this podcast he's probably a listener don't you think? oh of
1: course you know like the, the, the 140 other people yeah. yeah we'll get it up there too yep spread the word about this podcast everyone please share if you like this just hit that share button. two clicks man yep hit the share button and pick where you're sharing it six clicks so you can share it three places see I'm doing the math for you click <laughs> click click, click. Click, 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 click. And I'm watching the timer here. I just did that at 120 B- BPM. <laughs> so that 10 second, that those 10 clicks took five seconds. Exactly.
0: See, so, yeah. yeah, that value you're adding here. You right? could reach the for our listeners.
1: You About <laughs> doing math for you. That's my other podcast. Doing your math for you feels <laughs> sweet. When, yeah, when you could punch it into your, your phone and get the answer quicker. Like what was it today when we were sitting at at, at, at my house at my apartment, and uh, we were uh, I have Bob the chinchilla, Bob Chin, Bob Chin, for non-Chicagoans that was a, a a crab house, Bob Chin's crab house. I don't know if it was just Chicago, but I haven't heard anybody from, not from here know of it. Mm. So, um, so Bob the chinchilla. So Darren asked, uh, "How old is that? And how old is he in dog years?" <laughs> and as we were trying to gather by the average age expectancy of a chinchilla being twelve to fifteen years you know, it's about the same as a dog and then Shannon Doe's over here chuckling with a phone in his hand going, i found a chinchilla age calculator <laughs> and you're off by 10 years yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was off by 10 years, yeah but you were close yeah, it, was, it was
2: surprisingly close
1: uh, yeah, I just figured middle age you yeah. know, if, if he's halfway there but I'd say that the, the the age calculator this is interesting the age calculator of Animal of our of our our the our pets or if if we want to be more progressive about it, the animals to which we are guardians, mm-hmm. uh, and I said that without grinning, <laughs> because I'm starting to believe that really makes more sense. If you treat it that way, you're gonna not beat your dog when you have a bad day. You know. Then again, if you beat your dog on a bad day, you probably beat your wife, husband, children, yeah. parents on a bad. So go get some therapy if you're listening to this <laughs> and that's you. I'm surprised you're even listening. Probably, yeah. yeah. But if you're... Anyway, so go get some help. Never, you're never alone. We already talked about that. <laughs> That's right. You're never alone. It's always somebody's been there to some degree. I never believe, though, I know how you feel statement. But I do believe I have some sense of how you feel. Um, so uh, we were talking... And so I wonder... This, this is interesting. The the, the the age calculator for a cat, it's like the first few years... Are like like accelerated or mm-hmm. something, and then they there's it's uh, oh, a yeah. uh, human year is like fewer years. And like, How's that? Why, why don't we have? And they did the same thing with dogs. They and did the same with thing with chinchillas, yeah. So how how come it is that way with humans? So when I'm fourteen, shouldn't I be just be like twenty five? I'm grown up now. <laughs>
0: Well, because we're the standard, and they're measuring
1: everybody by us. Wouldn't that ego Well, see? Yeah.
2: I was about to say, I mean, there, there has been some issue with uh, certain groups treating 14-year-olds as adults. And well, <laughs> there is this, yes, there is. This. So. that's
1: true. And, and when, when we were primitive humans uh, and lived to about age 35, mm-hmm. that, of course, made sense, but we built a culture around uh, longevity.
2: Well, even 150, 160 years ago, Edgar Allan Poe. He married his... His wife was 13 when he married her.
1: Yeah. Well, but then, 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 uh, and even then, was that uh, was that a scandal?
2: No. It was commonplace. It was right.
1: extremely the norm. We're not condoning this, by the way. No, we're not at all. Discussing, we're just <laughs> discussing history and the understanding of where these questions come from. Mm-hmm. So the... the uh, you know now because we have a, we have longevity much more longevity uh, than we did. Um, we have more time to quote unquote grow up and to establish ourselves, and because we've established education for everyone uh, at whatever level, you know, some some to semblance of yeah okay. to a degree right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, now you're, you're 18 before you're even ready to go out into the workforce. Yeah. So it's assumed therefore that at age 18 is when you should uh, be able to uh, uh, go die for your country, drink beer, smoke cigarettes, uh, have sex with other people, although you probably already started that. Well, I have a Unless funny you were me.
2: <laughs> I have a funny uh, anecdote about that. I, one of my mentors in Morgantown was a, a brilliant psychiatrist and playwright. And he actually worked for the DOD for several years, and he used to tell me, you know, the, the very same reason we don't let 18-year-olds drink is the very same reason we send them to die for our country. Their frontal lobes are not fully developed yet. Interesting. So we're, we're actually kind of, in a way, exploiting it Totally, this. it's in a way, nothing. <laughs> yeah, you know, just, yeah. the, it's, it's, it's absolute exploitation of genetic uh, lack of maturity. The
0: immaturity, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting because it is uh, something I know of, uh, for vocal coaching, that the human voice, while it breaks at some point in adolescence, and be, that's only the beginning of the change mm-hmm. of the human voice. Mm-hmm. It's in our early 20s is when it's finally to a mature level of maturity. And opera singers don't get leads until they're in their 30s or 40s because it hasn't reached the power. The resonance. You know, the, yeah. So that's, it's very interesting. That uh, that you say that, and I had read a long time ago that, that humans are actually aren't entirely done growing until they're like twenty one or two, something like that. Mm-hmm. So. That's nice, uh, and, they, and maybe that's why they prefer, they, they fought so hard not to let women in, because in, uh, they had more common sense at age 18 than most guys. I'm yeah, not cause, sure. Yeah, because no. they'd be like, I'm not, what are you, stupid? I'm not, that doesn't make any sense, that's the worst strategy ever, you know. And then just, but you send an 18-year-old guy with his reptilian brain, he's just led with his little helmet, you know, He's just, you're a man, die, yeah, you know. I don't know. I, I, I look at modern. I look at I look at modern day, and I wonder why there is war. It just seems completely yeah. unnecessary. It's a completely kind of unnecessary way to solve a com- conflict. Of course, to say that from the comfort of my, you know, studio here in Rogers Park, where I have a, a you know, it's two bedroom apartment and a pretty safe neighborhood, and um, I uh, have never been shot at uh, that I'm aware of. They might use a silencer and mist. okay. You know, so there's always that. Yeah, like it's, assassins after you. Assassins. I mean, I know it. Man, I know it. There's they, a whole other level of film we don't know about. They, they, it's the aliens that are telling them <laughs> what, you know, to do it, but uh, you know. So I, you know. So in other words, I don't live in the Democratic Republic of Congo where there's 26 warlords running around, making it highly difficult for them to get to the Quinang yeah. to cure malaria. Where the biggest concentration of it is, and there, and and yet the most people are dying of it, you know, because these warlords are in there. Nobody wants to even the the, the, the you know people like the Red Cross can't get in there without risking their lives and that kind of stuff. So I don't know because I haven't been in that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing in that situation, I'm like you, why? Where's where's what what has happened? And I know there are studies that show humans as as groups move a certain way, the mob mentality is a real thing, you know, and that desperation and hopelessness uh, are real emotional driving forces of decisions that people make that to somebody who's comfortable, maybe the way any three of us are for the most part right now, don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yet, if you've ever been in a really horrible state of suffering, you remember the things you may have thought of or the things you did. I know, in my own despair, you know, I did things. I didn't like go, um, you know, do like horrible things to people. At least, not that I was aware of. You talked, Shannon Doa, about the, the, you know, the kid that buys an eight ball instead, of, you know, yeah. and, and, and trying to change his mind through music, you know, that you can change his mind through music or mate, that kind of thing. And how you mentioned in the in that process, which I thought was important, the uh, how that how it affects, you know, it affected him. Initially, only hurt him, but also affects family and all these people around because the impact that it does have In on the people society. around you. Because we are all connected. Right? Absolutely. So then, uh, you know, so I know that there were things that I did that hurt other people. You know, uh, but the but the I, I was never compelled to pick up an automatic weapon and, and just like storm a village and take requina. Right. You know, but uh, you know how how. How deeply connected are we then to a place like the Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, from here in the safety of this place in Chicago, um, uh, three white guys no less, right, yeah. sitting here talking about you know, a third world country in Africa, yeah, what that do we that, know, we've, right? that we've never yeah. been to, and yeah. so is there anything that we can conceive of doing, from where we sit, to change. Things halfway around the world in a culture that we know nothing about, except that there may be some people from there here in Rogers Park. Yeah, okay. There,
0: and there may be right, but, there, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's economics. It's uh, I mean, this it's such a complex problem now that it's like just unfathomable to uh, the kinds of things that you'd have to act on. But yeah, economics and education and. Um, understanding cultural barriers to all of the trying to improve any of that and, sociology and, and all of that, but I think what we as three white dudes in the United States can do, like what what everyone in the United States could do, is travel and try to understand that there's life beyond your immediate three mile radius that you spend most of your life in, and uh, that there that that might. Engender some understanding of uh, of all these things, and if we start small like that, you know, I I always talk about starting with some kind of a small idea, and that it radiates out. Uh, Hopefully, that catches on and crosses over, and you know, us doing very small things in great numbers uh, multiplies out to great things across the world. So.
1: Right on. Yeah, Shannon Doe, you got any thoughts I, on that? I
2: do. I think you know the what can three people like us do for to do something to change uh, currents in the world and change things that are occurring is to just act with love and compassion and caring and forgiveness and understanding across the board because that's what there is in places like the Democratic Republic, in places like Gaza Strip, in places like the worst war-torn countries right now, they are dealing with lack of humanity, lack of compassion, lack of empathy. And what can we do to, to help them? Chant.
1: Ah, yes, uh, from the Buddhist standpoint, indeed. Uh, there's a, 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 a U2 lyric. It's funny, I wasn't... Uh, don't get pissed at me, Bono, but I wasn't really fond of the latest U2 album. Because I, it didn't sound like you too And of course if somebody's listening and doesn't like you too they they're gonna be like, I don't really even care. But I I have always been a, a fan. And uh, but there was there was a there's some great lyrics, as often there are in those Irish storytellers, right? <laughs> and there's one love is more love is more powerful or stronger, I can't remember exactly, than anything in its way. Yeah. Sounds like hippie rose colored glasses thinking <clears throat> but if you've ever hugged somebody crying and felt the emotion between the two of you and the power that that you had to comfort them in their being a moment ago six inches from you and feeling as lonely as ever and in that moment changed their feeling of loneliness entirely then you understand that that statement is a truth. Love is not tangible. So we don't really know how to spread it. And so many people are uncomfortable with it. You know, we can't count it. So there's a whole element of, of the human brain, um, <clears throat> half of it, yeah. that doesn't understand love. <laughs> yeah. That's our job as artists, so, is to describe these things over and over and over again. Every little thing she does is magic. Right? <laughs> yeah. When I heard that song by the police, uh, I was like, oh, that's so cliche. And I was talking, I remember talking to a friend, I remember this exact conversation. I don't even remember who it was, I just remember the conversation. And I was like, That's so cliche. And he's like, No. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? I was like, Maybe. Have you ever heard in a song before? Never. So how so can it be a cliche? it's not, it's not a cliche. <laughs> yeah. cliche it was, it was a, it, it, an emotion that we had all felt yes. and somebody just said and so, and, and so the police put it in the song and said we don't care if it feels cliche or it's it's something that everybody has felt so we feel like it's just too obvious to say and therefore it's just like whatever you know uh, that's one of the obstacles of songwriting for me sometimes is I'll write a lyric and I'll be like that's just too obvious too on the nose man yeah but so what? I don't have to change it into, I don't have to change the lyrics to make them uh, uh, less obvious I'd be disingenuous you know And I, but this is something I'm only just learning <laughs> you know and that's the, the, the beauty of the process too is getting to where it's like so what because there are plenty of songs of mine that I've written where people just you know they like oh I love that song and I'm like yeah thinking in my head I don't say it to them because it'd be like you know why don't I just throw them the finger while I'm at it um, I'm, I'm moved and, and excited and grateful when somebody enjoys my work yeah. but a lot of times I'm thinking in my head with some of my songs I'm like I think it's gooey pop Yeah. You know, I, I it's like, uh, and, but then I'm the same guy that likes Cherish by Madonna yeah I love that yeah. song it's you a know? great song yeah <laughs> right. I remember when I was on the radio right? every time I, and I've, I've heard it in a long time but if I hear it on like somebody's oldies station now which is freaking me on oldies <laughs> um, it reminds me of driving around Albuquerque, New Mexico, when it was on the radio mm-hmm. in nineteen eighty nine, you know, and yeah. stuff where I where I lived, and so it reminds it gives me those memories, and, and so, and I remember at the, at the time just I was like yeah I love this song, but I wouldn't tell anybody yeah you know because it would go against my, my hard edged Chicago persona that I brought down there you know.
0: <laughs> yeah well but I mean by the same token a really on the nose lyric is something that might be. Uh, create a stronger connection with the listener whereas if you try to go around it and make something that's you try too hard to be poetic you lose the point and you've lost the connection um or struggle with that it. all the or yeah or you, you, you never made it to begin with and you you have never picked up a listener who really connected with your music so that's that's the struggle it, lyrically it, it, yeah. talking
1: talking above people right, right. um and and it's I love I love the language I love language I love the language that we that we speak. I was told by a uh, uh, guide that I had when I was in Spain in college uh, for part of the summer. Uh, it was about this time, it was in fact exactly this time of year, in middle of July, and I loved it. It's a very very fond experience I have, and, and everything. in our guide, I remember, it. we were all excited. We we're all like, you know, students at Columbia College. And we're in Spain to study guitar and all this, and there's I don't, there's maybe two people, other than our teacher, that had been there or nearby before, and uh, so it, asking a lot of questions with wide-eyed enthusiasm, and that question came up: Why is why does everybody like music in English? Why is it like even like you people learning songs phonetically to sing them in English and and uh, that kind of stuff. And he, uh, he said, uh, It sounds poetic when we hear it. Yeah. You know, when we, when we hear, it, even if we don't understand what's going on, the way the words flow, yeah. it, sound, it just so- sounds poetic. Then I ran it by a uh, friend of mine who spoke uh, another language. And he, he said, Yeah, that's, that's you know, the English was his second language. He said, Yeah, that's totally, hmm. totally the case. And then I thought about it and I was like, But it's like this Indo Germanic language, <laughs> which is related to Russian, which is Indo Slavic. Mm-hmm. You know, so it kind of has these brutal origins, mm-hmm. but then it turns out that something like 60% of English is from other lang- taken from other languages after early English. So if you read Balwulf, mm-hmm. it's like, well, we don't speak like that, but that's the original. That English. is Old English. Right, and then you take, uh, then you add in some French, and in whatever else we picked up along the way. And of course we have so many Words that we say in English that, that people don't even uh, realize are from another language or, or, or borrow from another language. Last night, uh, uh, what does RSVP stand for?
0: Répondez s'il, s'il vous plaît.
1: Yeah, uh, say it again louder.
0: Répondez s'il vous
1: plaît. Which is French. So yeah, oui. it's, that can we? please yeah. tell me what's happening. <laughs> and and it was last night. Uh, my wife Megan was talking to her friend Angie. They're both actors, and that uh, they were talking about about that sort of thing. It was it was brought up, and that how many people people just use the initials. They just know that it means respond. Mm-hmm. You know, I think some people think see something like that and they think it's going to be uh, Latin or something. What's I E mean? when we abbreviate, an uh, example,
0: I believe it est. Something like
1: that, right? Yeah, I don't remember.
0: It's in Latin. Somebody, somebody. Could it, look it that up. is Latin. That's that, right. is. that is well, it is Latin. It's right? like we have a word for everything, right?
1: <laughs> I then then I read a thing recently. Uh, so then I also came up that Latin is a dead language, except as used in you know uh, the ways we're using it, or in the medical or legal professions. I yeah. thought this as well until I recently came upon uh, a thing. Uh, by a bunch of by linguists or something, uh, looking at, or, or or cultural anthropologists may have been what it was. I don't know the people that study that stuff. So the Latin that we know as Latin is uh, picked from generally about the year three hundred A.D. during the reign of Emperor Constantine, um, and then you, they traced forward from that point. Uh, different times of written Latin and they watched the change and they found stuff which I found very humorous uh, and they did too by the way they were speaking on it um, th- they found points in there where there was changing there were contractions being made of words that hadn't mm-hmm. been contractions before uh, there were mm-hmm. m- misspellings and that kind of stuff and there were there were people in, 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 in writings through history there of like oh our language is dying, it's being brutalized, these kids these days kind of stuff, you know, and they trace it forward to modern Italian, and modern Italian, uh, you know, an Italian as spoken today, they were saying that you can find people today who complain about how Latin, how uh, Italian isn't spoken properly, used properly anymore, and this sort of stuff. You no, know, Language evolves like everything else. Yes. Yep. So really, Latin is what Italian originally was, and I assumed that that was the deal, but that there was some big break-off, and there was there were elements of that there were regional accents and regional uh, elements that, that yeah. influenced it throughout Italy especially as Italy became more unified right so politics even have a play in the evolution of language and culture the, the and that colloquialism kind of, the, right yeah. that sort of thing mm-hmm. and, and I uh, so I have I've, I've, uh, I've had several students who are Russian and uh, one that I worked with on vocals and uh, he said he has the worst time understanding certain uh, English accents. He said, in Russia we don't have that. Everybody sounds the same across the, the country. Oh. And I asked him, I said, is hmm. that because Soviet... 70 years of Soviet rule normalized it or what? And he said, well, well, yeah, maybe so. He hadn't thought of it, you know. Yeah. That may, there was, uh, you know, because there was like state run everything, state, mm-hmm. you know, so it was all like the same TV, same radio, same and papers and everything. So that he you know, that he seemed like, oh, that could be quite, could quite possibly be the reason, yeah. because, and, and and which is interesting then, because if there were were dialects at the beginning of Soviet rule in the matter of uh, two or three generations, that means they destroyed yeah. all dialectic, you know, language and culture, which is very, I don't know, kind of frightening, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, extremely frightening. You know, but he said there are the other places in the U.S. where he can't. He's, he's, there are certain people uh, certain accents so he's like I have no idea what they're saying Canada. he would and hate all. West Virginia well it's funny because I was thinking about that just, <laughs> just as I'm saying that I'm thinking about the story I was telling you about when I went down to my dad's farm in the hill country in Ohio right across the river from you and and had to translate um, <laughs> That's right. the, the guy the guy was was uh, was um, With me, my first wife, I try to not bring that stuff up, but it's part of the story. So my first wife is from Queens in New York, and so she had that accent. And we were in Southeast Ohio, and he had the accent. This guy on the farm where my dad grew up had the accent. And my dad spoke mostly like I do, you know. Um, His brother still had an Ohio. Mm, little, little twang. Yeah, a little twang there. and. Oh my, my, my dad, Bobby. Well, I don't understand Bobby sometimes, why he isn't so kind So it was that kind of relaxed thing going on, but well-spoken, and he was a highly successful guy, too. Um, so they'd both been educated, too, mm-hmm. as part of, I think, where they, where my dad got rid of the accent on purpose. You know? But it was funny, because this guy comes out, and my dad introduces himself, yeah, this is a farm I grew up on, you know, you're renting from my brother, kind of thing, and they're just talking... And so get to talking to the guy, and he goes, "Well, I'm just wondering, damn, tubs in the ground here for?" And my wife goes, "What did he say?" And I said, "He's wondering what the washing tubs are doing in the ground over there." And uh, translating English to English, to English, yes. So I kind of understood that when when my student was commenting on that, especially when you have a lack of dialect in in uh, in your language, you know, and and learning Russian there's very few vowel sounds we have th- our standard vowel sounds but we have the schwa sound the ambiguous vowel mm-hmm. the, when you can see it written in, if you don't know the word you don't know how it's pronounced that has to be very difficult when you're speaking learning English as, as a second language you know so uh, so one thing for instance, I've been doing with, with this guy is is uh, pointing that out this is the ambiguous vowel vowel here so it's just a meh you know <laughs> that's, that's 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 how we describe it we wave your hand like I do <laughs> too that's a man. It's good whatever it's
0: for the podcast listeners for the podcast listeners it, yeah. wave your
1: hand <laughs> so yeah and, and but I I love the language and the way we are able to use it in our music and I love uh, the communication Or well, obviously I wouldn't be doing this everything I do is revolves around communicating something everything many of us does revolves around communicating Mm -hmm. something your architecture revolves around communicating something when I said today to him Shenandoah to Darren uh, uh, when I was talking to him at the end of our little tour today I was like you know Do you uh, you also do visual art? And I was referring (laughs) to you know like drawing two D. Yeah. Two D. He's like, what is it you're asking me? (laughs) So and so, and I, I, I I knew that it it wasn't that. Of course, I I see architecture as an art form, you know, but it was, uh, and so there was a a a, loss in language there. There Loss in translation. Right. You know, but. where was I going with that? Oh, the way we're all communicating. Yes, yeah. right, right. Because we talked about, for instance, the stories and the culture within within architecture. Every, so everyone of us is doing something related to communication. Do you dumb down your communication to get something across to certain people, or is that uh, uh, patronizing, or is it sometimes necessary in order to get a point across to somebody?
2: It can be. Da- you can be in the danger of. Being patronizing, I think, if you talk down to your audience, I, you know, as an actor and a director, you're, in a way, you're told to. You don't want your audience to have to think too much. You you want it to be easy, so they'll enjoy your movie and eat their popcorn, and then they'll go home and mate. But
1: you. <laughs> they you, do that after plays too. Yes, they do. Dance clubs, plays. Who knows when they're gonna do this? There's <laughs> billions of them on this planet, <laughs> and, and they're just keep
2: doing it all the time. Um, but yeah, like, the, the whole aspect of spoon-feeding your audience to me is slightly offensive. I don't want to be talked down to. I don't want to be spoon-fed something. I actually like Rugged Grey Mysteries and I like, you know, the noiristic films or, or way-out-of-left-field absurdist comedies because it does challenge your perspective, challenges things you know and, and, you know, touching on what you said about how can we help change the things in the world we're yeah. uh, up against as obstacles. Learn, grow, experience, anything that's out there to experience, the whole plethora of experience this universe has to offer.
0: Amen, man. I, I mean, I... <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can say, uh, Dudo. <laughs> <In> the- <laughs> Well...
0: Well, ditto if you're in a crea- in the creative world and you're and you're doing that sort of stuff. If you're uh, trying to communicate very clearly to somebody who has to make sure a building doesn't fall down, you don't want to leave anything out and allow them to, uh, you <laughs> know, uh, learn and grow. And, and, yeah, uh, right, yeah, right. I don't need that. I want no, you to yeah. do this right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so.
1: so depending on the situation. And, uh, sure. Communicate appropriate to the situation and the understanding of the people you're communicating to and if you're genuine... Um, you're you you're doing it right.
0: Yeah, you know. But by the same token, I'm sitting here thinking, after having said that, if I can inspire a builder about what this building means to, is going to mean to somebody, or what it's going to do for this site or something, Community. I'm going to get a better job out of it, and I'm going to, going to, they're going to be able to connect dots better and uh, learn and grow and uh, <laughs> you know change the world. Yeah. And if
1: and if you were to dumb it down because you perceive that that builder really doesn't care yeah. about whether this building is going to be important to anybody, if, if you were to decided to, to decide to dumb it down, because you assumed that about the, about this builder mm-hmm. or picked up on that from this builder mm-hmm. and you just decided, ah, never mind, then you're not showing the courage or the faith in humanity mm-hmm. that says maybe this is the time that that builder actually goes, you know what he's right Eureka (laughs) this is why my life has lost meaning you know that kind of thing so you don't know when its I know it sounds crazy you're laughing and stuff but you don't know at what point you're going to be the catalyst yeah and so this is what I, I, you, Whenever you hear me say, I know that sounds hippie or whatever, it doesn't to me sound hippie or, or rose-colored glasses. I believe the things that I say. But I insert that because some people are uncomfortable with the, the potential that they might have or the potential that humans have because they're fed so much negative information all the time. But by us continuing to go back and and, and remind, you know, we start to get, get it across. There are so many things in my lifetime that I have seen that were very fringe thinking that are now just mainstream, yeah. you know? And especially in this, like this uh, 53 years old, in this last 40, 50 years, it's, it, it, and, and then in the last 20 even, it's accelerated. Mm-hmm. Changes is just whoosh, you know, move forward. Um, so I'm very inclined to assume, you know, yeah, I wanna make sure you understand the information yeah. But I'm very inclined also to explain to the builder what it means to me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any last thoughts on that? I'll let the build. I'll let the builder and the man who communicates with them answer that one. Or, or just as an analogy, that we're using the builder building a better world. Ah, yeah. yeah. oh, there you go. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs>
0: build the change you want to see. There <laughs> we go. Well done. Right
2: uh, you know that's that communication and that that. Openness to uh, to learning is is very much rooted in in love, in my mind, you know. And like you say, I don't think it sounds hippie. Um, one of my favorite quotes from just about any movie ever is is from *The Village*, and it's the world kneels or the world moves for love. It kneels before it in awe. There is no better description of how powerful a force love is. It can it can topple uh, empires it can create masterpieces
1: on that note (laughs) thank you for listening to Life Music and the Pursuit of Answers again I'm Phil Circle this is Shenandoah Thompson was the last one to speak Darren Jellison right before him and uh, go to guiltbyassociationrecords.com or guiltbyassociation.net um at gba records official on instagram uh, at gilbert association records on facebook and i'm phil circle and everything on social media with me is at phil circle or backslash phil circle except instagram which is at phil circle music and philcirclemusic.com is my website you can message me directly from the platform on which you are listening uh I think, except perhaps on IMC Radio, uh, in which case, go to Phil Circle Music and use my contact. So I thank you very much for being a part of the conversation. Keep talking. Love yourself. Peace.